welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. And if you can please turn with me, we're picking up in the book of Revelation, Revelation 19, picking up in verse 7. Title of the message is Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Probably the second greatest day of my entire life was when my wife and I were married. First greatest day in my entire life is when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. That's number one. Nothing else can compare to that. When Christ forgave me of all my sins and he filled me with his Holy Spirit and I became born of his Holy Spirit and he changed me from the inside. But again, the second would be the day that my wife and I became one, the two of us married and the wonderful thing of the two becoming one. And the Bible says, whom God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one put asunder. Marriage is important to God. It's ordained by God. God wants to keep the marriage strong, and he likens that marriage to our relationship with him. You know, we're the bride, as we're going to look at in this story here. We're the bride of Christ. We have a very unique place in heaven even, different, I believe, and we'll look at that as the bride of Christ, different than the tribulation saints, even different from the Old Testament believers. Our, our position and who we are in heaven and for all eternity is going to be a little different. I, I believe we'll see that in this marriage supper of the Lamb that we're going to be looking at. This will be a huge celebration like we've never had here on this earth. I don't think we'll fully understand it. We're going to look at it. We're going to try to figure out some of the pieces of the puzzle and how does it affect us and does it even affect us here personally now before we get to heaven and all these things. We're going to look at the timeline of it. We'll make suggestions and see what we can do with that. Uh, Let me put it to you this way. There's a lot about the marriage supper of the Lamb that we don't know, but we'll try our best to look at the text and figure out what we do know and try to make some sense of it. But I can tell you this. It will be a huge, massive, wonderful celebration, this marriage supper of the Lamb. It's in the future. It's for us. It'll probably be one of the greatest celebrations that we'll ever experience for all eternity, and that's what we're looking at. So let's stand as I read this wonderful text. So Revelation 19, verse 7, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself, can we say that together? ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Verse 9, then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the, can we say it together? Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I, this is John, fell at his feet to worship him, the angel. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Lord, as we look at this text before us, I know there's going to be some speculation because I don't believe we fully have enough information in the Bible to explain fully what this will be like. So Lord, you know what I've prepared. You know what we plan on talking about here. I pray that you would... Reveal things to us, and what does it mean? What does this marriage supper of the Lamb mean to us personally, even today? Give us insight, Lord. 
Teach us. We know it will be a glorious, wonderful time, and we look forward to it. But you said we're to apply this text, so help us to bring that, to have that application. Teach us, Lord. Through the simple teaching of your word, may you teach us and instruct us. May your spirit guide this time as we lift it up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You could be seated. Thank you. The text that we just read, obviously the marriage supper of the Lamb is a futuristic event. We know for sure when it starts because the next verse tells us that Jesus is going to come back on a white horse in his second coming in verse 11. So we know it's going to start right before the time of the second coming. So it's at the very end of the tribulation period. Some believe that it'll extend into the millennial kingdom. We'll talk about that. It's interesting because it's hard. It's, there's no, nobody can truly figure it out, how it fits. You know, we have speculation, but nobody can go to the Bible and say, this is exactly where it fits, how it fits, exactly what it's going to... We're, we're kind of speculating, but we'll do our best scripturally to, to speculate what we think and what it might mean and how long it does carry. But we can pretty much say it happens in heaven because it's a heavenly scene. It starts there. Where it finishes, we're going to speculate and see. But it's going to be an awesome event. The church is the bride. That's us. We have a special place. We're going to talk about that as we look a little closer to the text. So before we go back into the into the text here, just two things we like to always do here on Sundays. We want to make it clear, because this is very important, because we've been looking right now through the whole time of the tribulation period, where all hell breaks loose for seven years on the earth. It's called the tribulation period. We've been looking at that. And so we want to make it clear, the church will not be here during those seven years. We will be in heaven, and we even read about ourselves right here. We're the bride in heaven. The tribulation hasn't ended yet. It's right at the end of the, of the, uh, the time of the seven years. So we're seen in heaven, okay? So we want to point that out because it's very important. If we were to go through the whole tribulation period, I would have a hard time sleeping at night. But let me tell you, I sleep like a baby because we're not going to go through that. It's terrible. It's, it's God, listen, talk about this quite often, but I want to make it clear. The, the time of tribulation is God's wrath poured out on the earth. It's also Jesus' wrath poured out on the earth. It doesn't make sense ever to me why that God would save us, make us his bride, and beat us up there on the earth, and it just doesn't make sense. So... The, third, the, the second thing we always like to point out, because it's so encouraging, that the book of Revelation is the only book in the entire Bible that promises a threefold blessing. We are blessed when we read it, we're blessed when we hear it, and we're blessed when we apply it. So we just read it, we just heard it. So we can close our Bibles and say, amen, go home, and we are promised to be blessed. But there's one more part that we don't want to miss out on the application, to keep it, to apply it. So I hope there's some application here. So let's take a closer look here at our text. Verse 7, Revelation 19. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself... Can we say that together? Ready. Who's his wife? Can you... Yeah, you're right. The church. That's us. So that's us. We're the church. We've made ourselves ready. Uh, The word rejoice, if you are a note taker, it literally means, this word rejoice, very interesting, it means jump for joy. 
Isn't that interesting? It's not going to be anywhere near like that. We're going to be, it's the commandments going out for everybody. Hey, be glad. Everybody jump for joy. And people are going to be jumping around and saying, yeah, and it's going to be a great celebration. So it's, so it's rejoice, give him glory, jump for joy. And it's going to, again, be something that we've never experienced before ever. I want to point out something where it says give him glory. That word glory can also mean give him honor. And it's to Jesus, the bridegroom. Think through this a minute. The typical weddings that we have, who is the one getting honor? Who is, who's the vocal point? What is everybody looking at? It's very simple, the bride. It's the bride. I'll never forget when I was married in the year 2000, September 16th, 2000, Calvary Costa Mesa, Pastor Chuck Smith walked my wife down the aisle, and I'll never forget because I was standing at this, you know, waiting for them to come, and it took forever. <laughs> Why? Because she was going so slow, and both her and Pastor Chuck were looking at everyone, smiling, and, and she was nodding, they were nodding, and I even saw my, you can watch the video, my wife was going, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, thank you. And, and she made sure she, I think she looked at everybody that was there. And she was the center of attention. That's what weddings are, the, her, her gown. And I can tell you that she was a radiant light. She was glowing. We could have turned all the lights out and there still would have been light. I mean, she was just, she was just glowing as she was walking down the aisle. But all the focus was on the bride in heaven, this marriage supper of the lamb, the, the marriage celebration. The, the focus will not be us, the bride. The focus is going to be Jesus. Give him honor, that word. Give him the glory. He's going to be the focus. It'll be him. It's supposed to be such a joyous time. I want to share this with you. In the Jewish culture, the marriage supper was the best banquet or the party that they ever knew. As a matter of fact, listen to this. According to rabbinical teachings, your obedience to the commandments were suspended if they would hinder you from being joyous during that time. Did you get that? They would be suspended. In other words, you can come and say, oh, I'm fasting. It's time for me to... No, no, stop the fast. Have joy in your time. Have joy. Or, you know, I can't, you know... No, 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 no. It's a wedding feast. Don't worry about you right now. Let's celebrate. But seriously, it, was, it, was, it meant so much. The joy of that celebration, the marriage supper, meant a lot in that culture. And it's going to mean a lot when we get to heaven. And you'll see when we get there. Verse 8. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine, can we say that together? Fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the the saints. Arrayed in fine linen. Do you know there's no other group that talks about being arrayed in fine linen? Only the church? Guys, don't miss this. The tribulation saints, when we see them, they're in white robes, not fine linen. In other words, we're going to be dressed differently during this whole celebration. In other words, we're not going to be the guests. Well, look at that. They're going to be guests. We're not. We're the bride. And we're dressed in, these, in this bright garment, this, this wonderful garment for this wedding feast. And we are being married, as it, is, as, as it were, to Jesus. It's going to be an intimate celebration, these garments that will be fi- called fine linen. In my devotional time this morning, very interesting, I'm in Mark chapter 15, and something stood out, which I've never read in any commentary, just was in my reading this morning, but check this out, I'm in Mark 15, I'm reading this morning before I had my time with the Lord, I was redoing my reading, 
And it says, this is Joseph. Remember Joseph of Arimathea? He was a wealthy, prominent man. He wanted the body of Jesus, right? So he went to Pilate, says, can I have his body to give him a proper burial, right? And he was going to give him the tomb. He wasn't going to give it. He was borrowing the tomb, right? Do you ever think of that? How do you borrow a tomb? Well, he was only staying the weekend, right? He wasn't. <laughs> it was borrowed. I always hear that a borrowed tomb is like, what, borrowed? Won't you stay? Don't you stay there? No, not Jesus. He conquered the grave. He didn't stay there. But listen, so he, he asked for the body of Jesus, but we're told, this is what I read this morning. It says, then he brought, can we say that together? Fine linen. linen for Jesus. He was a wealthy man. He wanted to bury him in fine linen. And he took him down and wrapped him in the linen, the fine linen. He laid him in a tomb, which he had which had been hewed out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. I don't know exactly how that fits. You know, I just noticed that this morning. I'm like, Lord, your timing is wonderful. This is my scripture reading. Jesus was wrapped in fine linen. He was arrayed in fine linen at his grave. He conquered the grave. Somehow, some way, we're going to have this fine linen that we're going to be wrapped in. It's going to be bright. It's going to stand for purity and holiness and, and all. And it's, it's going to be something beyond anything we can imagine. I, I think of Daniel's wording here in Daniel 12.3 where it says, those who are wise shall, can we say that? Shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness shall be like the stars forever and ever. So meaning... Those who are wise, those who make wise choices, those that do things God's way, those who, who uh, turn many to righteousness, somehow we're going to shine differently in the kingdom of God forever and ever and ever. Does that have something to do with this, the garments that we're going to wear? I, I believe it's possible it is. I, I believe so because look, what are the fine linens? It says, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the, say it again, saints. The righteous acts of the saints. So please don't misunderstand this. Because someone might misinterpret this and say, oh, the righteous acts, that's how you get into the wedding and you become the bride. No, 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 no. Please don't misunderstand that. You're saved by grace through faith. Not by your righteous acts. Not of works, lest anyone shall boast. All of us, listen, all of us as believers in the church age, we will be in this celebration. We will be the bride. But my suggestion is, listen closely, the attire that we'll be wearing might differ from one another because somehow, some way, it's connected to what we do for Christ, the righteous acts that we're doing here. I connect it personally, and I can't be dogmatic. I can't say for sure because we don't have, but with Scripture, interpreting Scripture with Scripture, I think it's possible, possibly this is part of the rewards that we receive in heaven. At the Bema seat, Judgment. They're, they're going to be given rewards for what we do for Christ. And, and so possibly that's connected. So possibly, and this is me, again, thinking through this, is we're going to shine bright, as Daniel tells us, and then other scripture we're going to look at, we're going to be rewarded for the things we did here on the earth. That, that possibly, so we'll all have wedding garments. We're all going to have, we're going to be arrayed with these bright wedding garments, but possibly those that have led people to Christ, those that have, have shared, Christ with others and possibly they'll shine greater. Those that were wise, making wise decisions and doing what God has called them to do, they're going to be possibly arrayed brighter, possibly. Let me put it to you this way. I hope that when my arraignment comes on, it's not like little flickers, like beep, beep. And everybody's got these bright, shining garments, you know, that's, I don't fully understand it and I don't 
think we will till we get to heaven. Our Lord Jesus Christ was wrapped in fine linen at his death, and he conquered the grave. Somehow, someway, at this marriage supper of the Lamb, we as the bride of Christ, we're going to have this special fine linen garment that each one of us will be arrayed in that's going to be bright and shiny, and, and it has something to do with what we do here on the earth. I don't know about you, but I don't want a dim suit, if you know what I mean, a dim garment. That's Pastor Joe. We thought he would, like, shine a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Revelation 22, 12, talking about the reward, says, And behold, I am coming quickly, Jesus said. This is Jesus. And my what? Reward is with me. To give everyone according to his what? We're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works, to do what God's called us to do. Second John 1.8 says, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for. Interesting. Don't lose those things that you've worked for. Don't be deceived. I'm concerned the church today, the way it's going and the way some of these churches are going, that they don't lose those things that they worked for, but that we may receive a what? A full reward. A full reward. As we talk about doing what's right, as we talk about doing what God has called us to do, as we talk about being rewarded and the works that we do for Christ that will last for all eternity, I'm reminded that we live in a day where we need to know what's right and what's wrong. We're living in a day where deception is just ruling and reigning, and things that are wrong are called right, and things that are right are called wrong. Don't be deceived. Have you seen this? This is wrong. Texas abortionist says it's his life calling to perform 30 abortions per day. He feels called to it. Texas abortionist who has claimed that he used to perform 30 abortions a day called abortion his life's calling. In a recent interview where he describes his dilemma because he lives in Texas about whether he should follow Texas's uh, new heartbeat bill. So he has this dilemma. He says, this is my calling. This would, I'm called to kill at least 30 babies a day. But since the new law in Texas says it's against the law, if the child has a heartbeat, you're, it's against the law. So he has a dilemma. That's the world we live in today. How about this? How many saw this? A Wyoming high school student refused to wear a mask, so police locked down the entire school and arrested her. So she committed a crime, they said. She had a mask on. So lock down the school and throw her in jail. Lock her up. Guys, are people taking crazy pills or is it just me? This is actually a good thing right here. Federal appeal court ends injunction on Texas abortion law. So they turned it over again. So yes, let's give the Lord a hand. So the federal government put a halt to it at a lower court. And then this court says, no, you can't do that. So now the heartbeat law still stands in Texas due to this. So back in our text. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. For years I would read this and I thought, wow, you know, blessed who are called to this marriage supper of the Lamb. But if you look up the word called, it can be translated those that are invited. Those that are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you know a bride is never invited to the wedding feast? She's not invited. She's part of the whole ceremony. So I don't believe this goes out to the church. I believe it goes out to, to those that are invited, the guests, the guests that'll be there. And 
And it's possible that it goes out to the tribulation saints to say, hey, you guys are invited to be guests at this. The Old uh, Testament believers, you guys are invited to watch this. But guys, we're going to be part of the center stage. We're going to be the, the bride. We're not going to be the ones that are invited to this. It's very interesting. Very interesting. We have a very special place in heaven and for all eternity. And it's going to be, we're going to be this, we're going to be the bride. We're going to be the ones arrayed in these special garments. And it's even too much for my mind to even comprehend what that means. In the Apostle John's day, when this was written, the Jewish marriage was, in the Jewish culture, it was an arranged marriage. You guys know that, right? Do you know how old the children were when, there was, when the parents would arrange it? Typically about five years old. So the parents would, you know, look at their little Moses, and then the other parents would say, oh, I've got little Hannah here, and boy, they would make a cute couple when they get older, and so they would start the arrangement. They would arrange a marriage. That's how it was in their culture. And it was, it was arranged with obedience and commitment, and then it turned into love once it was the actual marriage. It developed into love, but it was a, it was a commitment to each other. But then the next phase was the betrothal period. And the betrothal period is when they finally decided when they're older now, they're both agreeing, yes, they make a good couple, let's do this and let's, let's have them to be together. And that would take place typically a year before the actual wedding day. It's called the betrothal. It was a, a, the betrothal was a time where the two would get to know each other. There was no physical contact in that way whatsoever. It wasn't consummated. That was later at the wedding. But they would get to know each other. Interesting parallels with this, with the body of Christ. We're the the bride. Listen to what happens. The third phase was the coming of the bridegroom on the wedding day. And how this worked out is during the betrothal period, the bridegroom, okay, he would build a place for the bride. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, remember? He prepared a place, and what it was, that even in today's culture, you'll see in the Middle East, you'll see homes, and, and when somebody gets married, before they get married, they build another floor, right, for the son that's getting married, and a whole other floor, that's where he, his living quarters. So, so the son would have the, built onto the father's house, and he would build a living quarters for his bride, and while he was putting it together, it was only up to the father to decide when it was ready. Nobody knew the day or the hour. But the father would look to his son, and when he felt it was ready, he would nod to his son. He would say, go get your bride. So the, the, the bridegroom would go out, and he would take his friends, the bridal party and all, and they would go out and then go towards the, the, where the bride's house was. And in the street, the, the best man would blow the shofar, would blow the trumpet. And when the trumpet was blown, the bride knew that it was time to go meet her bridegroom in the street between the two places. Does that sound familiar? As the sound of the trumpet sounds, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with the Lord in the air, in the middle, not into heaven, in the, in the, in the firmament, in the sky. We're going to meet him up in the air. So then what would happen is the, the, the bridegroom would take his bride and bring her to the house, and they would spend up to seven days consummating the marriage there in his new home, and they were there as intimately together, alone together. During that time, the, the, the bridegroom would go out. She would stay in the chamber. Interesting that we'll be in heaven for seven years, up into heaven with him. But the bridegroom would go out, in and out from the chamber, and he would, give, he would go and, and get food and gifts, and he would bring it back to his bride while she was there, and he would give her food and gifts during that seven-day period. 
And then when it was all done, after that, he would bring his new bride and he would present her to all the guests. And then it was called the marriage supper. And they would all celebrate. Hi, this is Pastor Joe. And I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. Hopefully, we'll see you here later today. God bless you. You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.